Welcome to episode number 53 of Taking You to the Top. Today's guest is the co-CEO of Career Attraction. Career Attraction has helped more than 15,000 professionals find work they love. They've been featured in more than 50 major media outlets including being named one of Forbes' top websites for your career. Join Rami in welcoming him to the show. If you have any questions for our guest today, please leave them in the comments section below. Also, if you'd like to get more data on any of our guests, please download the Taking You to the Top app from our website. That being said, we hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Taking You to the Top. In this podcast, Rami spends time speaking with founders and CEOs from across the globe and asks them specific questions to learn exactly how they built and launched their businesses. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn. Are you ready to take it to the top? All right, Kevin, welcome to episode number 53 of Taking You to the Top. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, Kevin, if you wouldn't mind to get us started, if you could introduce yourself and maybe take us back from the beginning, you know, tell us your journey, where it started and how that journey led you to founding Career Attraction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so grew up in the in the states, largely in the South, Florida and Georgia. Um, after finishing college, was commissioned in the army as a an infantry officer. Uh, spent four years doing that. Decided to get out, largely to get a little more balance from a family standpoint, and uh, you know, found myself like a lot of veterans do, trying to figure out what. What am I going to do next? And exactly, uh, yeah. and and had a very short stint in transportation, which I I lovingly refer to as a match made in hell. I think I knew <laughs> I was in that role. I was in a management training program for like a whopping seventy two hours. Where I was like, oh my god, what have I done? Um, and and then just haphazardly stumbled into headhunting. Um, had a had a really good run with an international search firm where. First year, I was one of the, the top rookies. Um, and then exactly a year to the date, was asked to, to take over a, a wayward office. It was one of only two offices out of, I think, 222 or 223 worldwide that, that wasn't, when, when this division was not producing revenue. Um, okay. And, and they were definitely in the red. So jumped in there and took that to being number five in the world in one year per desk average, which meant, you know, we're not generating the most money. We're not gonna compete as the Baltimore office. We're not gonna compete with New York or uh, um, Chicago or any of those larger offices from a, uh, a gross standpoint, but pound for pound, we were outperforming pretty much everybody else. Um, okay. and, and that really led me to a point of knowing and I knew I'd always had an entrepreneurial path in my future and that was the moment at which I really started to look at well, wait a minute I could either work just as hard and probably make two to three times as much money from the percentage I'm taking home or work half as hard and <laughs> make the same amount 
Um, those were some pretty naive calculations because I started the company, started my first search firm right after 9-11. Okay. Uh, when, when it was exceptionally challenging, um, but, you know, grew that company, ended up selling it, took, sort of took a year off and went to go work for somebody else. For me, that was, it was more mental relief to be able to figure out what I wanted to do next. Uh, started a second search firm and sold out of that to my partner back in 2008. And, and that's what led me to career attraction. And it's, what's interesting is when I look at all of those inflection points, I was trying to figure out, I, I, I constantly found myself at this place of not, no longer finding joy in what I was doing. And okay. for me, there has, there is a nexus of purpose and revenue generation that has, they have to coexist. I can't be doing something simply to drive revenue. Right. Um, it, it just, it doesn't, I'm just not wired that way. It's taken me a long time to figure that out. But once I did in 2008, I, I looked at what did I enjoy about the search firm? What didn't I, I cut everything out that I didn't like doing. And what I found myself focusing on was really the education. At that point, we were placing software sales executives. So super high performers that were making, you know, mid six figures to, to low seven figures in income. But I was amazed at what they didn't understand about what was happening in terms of the hiring process. And these guys, largely men, right? But men and mm -hmm. women who were selling these multi-million dollar deals, but but were just falling apart when it came to positioning themselves and negotiating for themselves effectively. Okay. And had an idea that maybe we could create a company that um, helped people do that. And that was the that was kind of the the genesis for career attraction back in 2008. Perfect. Uh, before we get on to career attraction in a, in a little more detail, um, out of curiosity, when you did that switch from, let's call it corporate, to your own company, on, in the first round, I mean, um, right. what was the trigger or what did you have to accomplish to feel sort of safe moving into that because you know there's always like you start off with a side hustle and suddenly you know you need to decide when to fully commit to it yeah so i'm probably the worst textbook example of how to do these <laughs> things because i am highly decisive and and my wife would would absolutely be nodding her head north and south on this if she were standing here right now um when I make a decision and and when I get a vision and am focused on something, I'm kind of myopic about it and I tend to burn the bridges behind me. And, and I don't mean that from a relationship standpoint, but to, to put this into perspective, when I started my first search firm, I um, quit a, a very lucrative <laughs> headhunting job um, actually filed for divorce and started the company all in one week. So I made some very, very seismic shifts, which um, I, no apologies for any of those decisions. Sure. But for, for me, when I start to get clarity around something, and this is something I, I've, I've definitely with age slowed down a little bit um, and, and sit with things versus my, and, and this, I know this certainly comes from time in the military and, and the ability and knowing that I have the absolute confidence in making 
you know, fast, powerful, decisive decisions that sometimes you don't always need to do that. So, you know, runway, um, ramping up, uh, all those things, I didn't really look at as much as this is the direction I need to go in and I'm going to start it now. And, um, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. So let's just go. Okay, so you, you had something saved up. I know you didn't look at runway in detail, but you need something. Right, no, ab abs absolutely. Um, absolutely. The, those, those years were... Those years were definitely the beginning years were definitely leaner than okay. um, I would have liked. And with 9-11, I did not anticipate it was going to be as difficult as it was. Um, sure. So that that was that was definitely a powerful lesson learned. But but knowing me and just knowing how kind of my internal drivers, I I don't think I, I, in looking back on it, I don't think I would have made a different decision because when I decide I'm all in, I'm all in. And when I decide I'm all out, I'm out. Right. Um, and it's, it's really difficult. You know, I've, I've worked with clients over the years who, you know, would ask me for advice. And I'm like, you don't, you do not want my advice because <laughs> the lens through <laughs> which I look at things is very, very different. And I would just tell you, you need to figure out what your comfort level is and, and, you know, for me, at least personally, uh, being a little uncomfortable is is a driver to make stuff happen. Sure. No, no, I absolutely agree with that. Okay, um, Kevin, career attraction, if you're introducing it to someone for the first time, what does the company yeah, so do in more more detail than being, you know, a career-based company? Right. So, so we help high achievers land six figure jobs that they love. And what that means specifically for us is that operating in the top, you know, one, three, 5%. What we know is it's not, it's not a game of what's on your resume or your CV. Uh, it's not a matter of better networking. It, it really comes down to some of the same principles that apply to professional athletes, um, high-performing individuals, you know, in the special operations community, if we want to pull from the military. And it's a, it's a game of inches that's really played between your ears. And what okay. we find with the clients that we work with is whether they are diagnosing themselves this way or not, when we start to dig in and figure out what's really breaking down with them, why careers have plateaued, why maybe they've started taking a step backwards, most of the people we're working with have 25 plus years experience mm -hmm. that it's a misalignment between mindset and ambition okay and our beliefs drive every action we take so that's the space in which we play it's it's it is as much career advice and job search advice as it is uh, mindset and performance coaching Okay, and how do you filter these individuals if they're like, if they're interested in approaching yeah. your company? Do they have to sort of go through some sort of a survey or an interview or something along those lines? Absolutely, we um, we have members on our teams, our our VPs of enrollment, who have at least hour long conversations to really assess what's breaking down with someone. Um, what, 
you know, because really what we're looking at here, particularly when you develop a relationship with a coach is, are we coming to an agreement around what the problems are and what needs to shift? And a large part of that is, is ownership. You know, we're responsible for everything that happens or fails to happen in our lives. If, if someone is, is coming to us as frustrated as they may be, as qualified as they may be on paper to be quote a fit, if you don't have total ownership of what's going on in your life personally and professionally, it's going to be really hard to move the Delta from a performance standpoint. So that conversation has served us really well. And it's become exceptionally important for us too, because a large part of what we do in, you know, in combination with having a framework that's been tested out on more than 16,000 clients mm-hmm. um, is not just the individual coaching, but it is the community. Okay. And, you know, the, however the adage goes, you can, you want to go, fast, go alone. You want to go further, go together. Um, when we're talking about breaking patterns of behavior that haven't served you um, and do not continue to serve you, it's it's a whole lot easier to make that transformation with social proof and support of a community and a community of like-valued professionals. So that screening and that um, that process has, has really served us well to create just a, a community of just spectacular individuals. Excellent. Okay. And uh, how, how is the, how does the revenue model work with this? Um, are they signing up on a SaaS basis or, uh, I mean, how are you charging your clients? Yeah, no, great question. So, so we charge a fee for 90 days worth of working with us one-on-one plus the community uh, working through our framework. Uh, clients are able to, to keep the framework, the training, that process and, and actually updates we make. We're, we're coming out with kind of our 3.0 version here very shortly. Um, so clients have access to that. Uh, and, and then there's a, a follow on alumni community because we know that the relationships and the mindset and, and that commonality, that like-valued commonality has a, a very long lifeline for all of our clients. Um, okay. So all of that is all of that is included in individuals. One of the big differences is for us versus a kind of an outplacement firm. Um, while some individuals have gotten their company to pay for our program, by and large, everyone is paying for it themselves. So uh, the you know again, it really comes full circle back to the the revenue piece for us is not the tie that binds between everybody. It's that, it's that like valued commonality. Got it. Okay. And um, when did you originally launch career? I mean, career attraction, was it back in 2008? It was, it was, it was in 2008 and admittedly we've gone through several evolutions in terms of how we have supported clients over the years. Um, the current framework that we use, we've really been using for the past three years. And that, that this is when we, we truly stepped into the performance piece mindset, um, getting, getting a greater understanding of how what's going on between your ears, your beliefs, your energy uh, is, is impacting how you're showing up in the relationships you're building. And, and that, that shift has has been everything for us. Okay, and uh, what does uh, the company team size look like today? 
So we've got 10 members on our team. We, we run relatively lean, um, at least for, for how, for how we operate, but we've got 10 people and I would see us expanding with some of the programs that we're getting ready to launch moving into 2021 to probably do about a 50% increase on that headcount. But one of the things that my business partner and I've been really, really focused on is, uh, you know, not getting fat and bloated with headcount, but figuring out how to, and we've just gone through this in the last month, getting, getting much more efficient. And, and quite frankly, it really started with us getting more efficient with our time more so than anything else. No, no, I get that for sure. Um, And, would it be right to assume that because of the pandemic, you have more work than ever? So it's, you know, the pandemic's been interesting. Um, going into it, it, you know, not knowing what it was going to be. I remember talking to the team back in February and March and saying, hey, guys, um, let's not get freaked out about this because we've been through recessions before. I've been through several recessions having been on my own since 2001. And that's kind of the, the mindset that I'm, I'm approaching it from. Okay. What's in, what's interesting is that <clears throat> that's not really how it's, that's not how it shook out because the big difference with the pandemic is that everyone globally has proximity. Every, everybody on the globe, as far as I am concerned, and particularly as it relates to the world in which we play, everybody has proximity to it and everybody's been impacted by it differently. So right. the, the, biggest, the biggest point of kind of challenge versus opportunity is just, is just that with the pandemic. Individuals who, and we did some training on, on change theory uh, uh-huh. earlier this year to help people help, first of all, help our team and then help clients and then help anybody else who wanted to watch it, um, centered around, look, you reach this inflection point where you have to decide, are you going to survive or are you going to thrive? And with disruption and chaos comes opportunity. Sure. And, it, and it really becomes, you know, is there, is the need at a higher point than ever for what we do? Absolutely. But it really comes back to that call again, that it, and, and getting to the truth around how do you see this right now? Are you freaked out and retracting? Or are you saying, hey, I need to change my game and there's a lot of opportunity out there, but maybe I'm not quite sure how to go about finding it because it's not presenting itself in a traditional way. Right. And, and that's the space in which we're playing and, we, and we've always played. So there's a huge amount of opportunity for us right now. And sure. I don't just mean that from, it, it, there's a huge opportunity for impact with individuals who share that same perspective and to be able to work together, play together and um, you know, meet some common goals. Okay. And um, is the company bootstrapped or have you raised any capital? No, 100% bootstrapped. Okay, got it. And originally when you you put together the funding, was it between you and your co-CEO? Uh, of sorts, right? What, what we did is, is Olivia and I met about five years ago and mm-hmm. um, as, as we were talking, we realized, you know, one plus one equals more than three. And she had a company as well. We sort of blended resources and then have just, you know, operated as 50-50 partners from that point forward. Um, so it was less a financial investment than just sort of blending together assets and resources. 
Okay. And the, the original fund that you had between you, what, what did you spend it on in the beginning? I mean, what was the first thing you had to spend it on to sort of get the company off the ground? I, one of the biggest things and, and one of the biggest accelerators that we've seen when we've looked at particularly, you know, bigger growth over the last few years has been uh, shifting to, to doing more advertising online than anything else. And, and that's, I mean, for, for us, when I look at what our, what our PL is, I mean, now, of course we have salaries, but when it was just the two of us, that was our, that was our number one investment each month was, I, I mean, God, back, back then, I think it probably accounted for like 70% of what our expenses were each month was what we were spending okay. on advertising. Okay. Got it. And um, would you mind at all sharing a range of what revenue looks like today? Yeah, no, we, um, we have, we've grown kind of year over year. Um, you know, three years ago, we broke into seven figures and uh, had had a hundred to 200% growth from that point forward. And, and we're before COVID, before the stay at home order, <laughs> we're very confident in breaking eight figures this year. I think that this year we will, and, and I, I, it's funny how in talking about this and getting perspective, you realize the fact that we've we've stayed whole from where we were last year is is not something to be disappointed in, but but certainly something to celebrate. Sure. Um, I know some of the lessons we've learned this year. I I am absolutely confident we will break eight figures going into 2021. Amazing. Okay. Um, Kevin, talking about marketing. Um, I would like to go into that a bit. I mean, originally when you started, what were your key channels to start spreading the word about your company and what you do? Yeah, we honestly, most all of it was either word of mouth or just um, being as prolific as possible on social media um, and, and not an unpaid social media. Uh, okay. We also did some, early, in the early years, we did a little bit more affiliate marketing and created some incentives for partners who wanted to share our message. Um, that candidly has always been something that um, was almost a vanity metric because when you really looked at the time that you invested in it, the inconsistency with partners uh, the amount of effort that was going behind it, particularly when we we started to juxtapose that against spending money on advertising and how much more consistent online advertising and ROI was, it made it a no-brainer to, to cut out the affiliate piece. Sure. Uh, but in terms of where you spent money, was there any specific platform that generated the best return for oh, for for sure we um when when i look at where we've spent money over the years and we've we've tested a variety of different platforms facebook by far and away has um been the best resource and we've looked at some third-party relationships to push people to us um and and get our message out google has been great google i think is a really good amplifier for what we do on facebook right. the one that for me, quite frankly, has been the most confounding is LinkedIn, because you would think based off what we do, that LinkedIn would be the best resource. And, and I, I constantly chuckle when people tell me nobody goes to Facebook to, 
you know, to, to network or build their career. I'm like, well, I'll tell you what, if your <laughs> career is a thorn in your side, you're going to Facebook because you're trying to forget about it. But let's be honest, you don't ever really forget about it. So um, it's uh, Facebook has, has definitely served us well over the years, no doubt. Okay. And on, on LinkedIn, were you just connecting directly with potential, you know, client or were you actually spending on LinkedIn advertising? We, we did spend advertising on LinkedIn and, and it was um, it was costing us upwards of 10 times what it was to acquire a customer on Facebook. Facebook. And we, we, you know, we tried this on our own. We tried it working with some external firms um, and, and even some colleagues and friends that, that own organizations that focus on LinkedIn and just mm -hmm. have never been able just never been able to, even from a brand awareness standpoint, I'm not even talking about just acquiring a client, but just doing that kind of omnipresence that, that Google is so amazing from a resource standpoint right. to be able to get a message and just keep you front of mind with people because it's such a noisy world. It, it, it's, it, it's just never been cost effective for us to do it on LinkedIn. Got it. And do, do you spend any money at all on SEO? No, we really haven't. Um, so, it's, I, I won't say we never have, we have years ago, but it's, it's never been an area. It hasn't been an area in the last at least three to four years that we've, we've spent any resources on. Okay. So I'm guessing what I'm looking at now is all organic on Google. Yes. What, whatever you see on the website is 100% organic. Okay. And are you spending any, um, are you focusing a lot on content marketing? Because I'm trying to um, figure out a, a little bit. Uh, yeah. Because you're, you're ranking oh, sure. very high on yeah. a lot of these uh, search terms. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's, I'm always curious about that. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't know if it's just maybe the staying power of, us having been around for a while. Uh, I know that, you know, 12, 12 years doesn't seem like a long time, but I think in our space, maybe it's, maybe we're fundamentally a dinosaur. I don't, I don't know. I probably shouldn't <laughs> refer to us as that, but, um, but it is, it is interesting when I see where we rank on certain things, how it is that that's showing up versus newer content we're putting out that I know is, um, is being interacted with on a, on a much higher basis. So it's, it, it's certainly something that I'd like for us to, to focus and dig on in the future. But right now, when I look at where, you know, we're in a spot where in a, in a good month, we spend a dollar to make 10 and in a bad month, we're spending a dollar to make five. So it's which is still pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, honestly, when I when I talk to anybody, particularly folks who are in brick and mortar, and I talk about what our ROI is, when I'm moaning and groaning about where we are versus where I know we're capable of being, they look at me like I'm a spoiled child. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, if you do go back to SEO to have a look at, you know, any specific keywords, I'll suggest one that's sort of popping up right in front of me right now. It's jobs on Google as a keyword. Okay. okay. Because that gets about 165,000 searches a month. Okay. Which might be worth looking at. Absolutely. Perfect. Um, 
Okay, well, uh, we have just enough time now to wrap up with the famous five. Are you good to go with that? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. Number one, uh, what's your favorite business book? Oh, man, that's a hard one to narrow down. Um, I, I would say, because we've got several that are required reading for everybody on our team, I think the number okay. one is Jocko Willink's Extreme Ownership, because I'm a firm believer that you can't lead others until you can lead yourself. And Extreme Ownership is at the foundation of that. Okay, got it. Um, number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? I, I wouldn't say there's one per se. I, I have several colleagues in my inner circle who are, are CEOs as well that, that all have different attributes that, um, that definitely kind of feed areas that I need to work on. Um, so they're, they're folks that I, I sort of follow and, and stay close to. Okay. But uh, no favorites outside of your circle? No, there's no, there's no one person that, um, that I'm like a, a major fanboy of or anything like that. So no, okay. <laughs> I try to stay out of that because honestly, when I've done that over the years, I find myself all of a sudden, you know, kind of comparing or measuring and, and maybe it's just, maybe it's a governor for me. I don't, I don't know. But Okay. All right. Number three, uh, what would you say is your favorite online tool for growing your business? Well, I, I would have to say Facebook, um, whether I love it or not, uh, has served us really, really well. Okay. I think that's a first on this show. Well, hey. I got, I got a lot <laughs> of LinkedIn. This just in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, number four, if you could give your 20-year-old self a piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, man. Be patient. Just be patient. All right, got it. And the final question is how many hours of sleep do you get every night? At least eight. Oh, okay. So there's nights where there's more than eight. Uh, few and far between, but but yes, I, I, I try to stick. I'm usually in bed at nine and up around six. Okay. Is that eight? I'm I'm hard, I'm a history major and a Spanish minor, so math is not my strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> I should, I should well, preface these things. <laughs> There's math that's going to be also. <laughs> well, uh, Kevin, really, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. You know, I, I'm really, you know, interested by your story and how you've grown the company. It's really fascinating for me. And I hey. hope maybe a year from now we could have a follow-up call to, to see, you know, what's happened with career attraction. Absolutely. I would love it. Thank you so much for having me on. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for watching today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on any of the available podcast platforms so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. If you have an extra minute, leaving a review would help us grow. 